Hey everyone, this is Josh Hallman. Welcome to Beyond Mars podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders in aerospace, defense, and aviation industries. Today, our guest is the one, the only, Hari, Senior Engineer at Blue Origin. Welcome, Hari. Thank you, Josh. Uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to talk about your rise in the aerospace industry. And we're going to talk about two, you've done many things, but two awesome projects you've, you've got to work on. And lastly, where you see the industry going. So let's dive in. Um, Hari, walk us through kind of the high points of how you got to senior engineer at Blue Origin and start even earlier. I want to hear a little bit, you know, a younger Hari just sure. starting out in aerospace, but let's see, I, I, I can go, go fairly back um, to, to my school days. Um, so I come from India and um, the, the city that I come from is where the uh, space industry in India started. So it's like uh, being in Cape Canaveral, uh, Florida. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So um, it's, it's a, uh, it is on the southwestern coast of India. And uh, that is where we had the first uh, launch happening uh, for India. It was a sounding rocket. It was a Nike Apache flight uh, that, uh, that India got from the US and they launched out of there. So I, I got to see these launches, the sounding rockets launches um, from the from that launch site. So there was a reason why we had the launch site over there. Uh, even though India is not on the equator, but the magnetic equator passes through through India. Kind of there's a kind of um, uh, just before it gets to India, it kind kind of moves up mm-hmm. and just passes right through the through the city that, that I'm from. So that that is the reason why we had the launch facility there. So. I was always fascinated by launch vehicles. How I, old were you at this time? When ooh, you were... so the first launch when I saw it must have been about uh, uh, 12 years old, I guess. Oh, wow. So very young. You were very yeah. young. Yeah. So so you, you could go to the beach. and you, uh, So um, I think they used to launch uh, every other week uh, a sounding rocket. Um, wow. Yeah. So so you could go there. And, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it, at that time it was more of a development space. Uh, the the Indian space the organization was growing, uh, so they had uh, sounding rockets were the way to do it. Uh, they had just made their small satellite launch vehicle at that time in the eighties. So that's when um, I started seeing these launches of sounding rockets because that was uh, their way of testing out technology. So they're, 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 they're pretty frequent. So it was fun. You could go, go to the beach, enjoy the beach. And also uh, by evening around 6, 6.30, you could see the launch. So That's very cool. Yeah, That's very was. cool. So you're inspired when you're young. Yep. And uh, so did you go to school for aerospace engineering? No, I, I, I went to school for mechanical engineering. Mechanical. So, so the school that I went to was, again, in my hometown. So I did not leave town until I finished my bachelor's. So... Uh, the the university did not have an aerospace degree, so they only had a mechanical engineering degree, and I, I took that. I did enjoy working in that field. So I did my bachelor's, worked in India for about three years, and then that's when I decided that I need to get my uh, get come over and do my higher education. So I went to Wichita State. There's a reason why I picked Wichita, because it is, they had a crash lab. Uh, the university had a crash lab of its own. It is one of the few universities that has a crash lab. Uh, the other being Wayne State, but those were mainly for the auto industry, not for the aerospace industry. Mm. So, um, um, and plus I did have a few friends who were already there at Wichita State, so that always helps knowing people that, that are already there. 
so combine those two, I came to Wichita State. I, um, uh, I, I did my research under an awesome um, uh, prof, uh, Hamid Lankarani. He was, he's, he, was, he was an awesome guy. Uh, and his specialty was multi-body dynamics. Um, basically mechanisms, and he, he was doing research on uh, occupant safety uh, for the FAA. Uh, a lot of the work was for the FAA and some work for NASA as well. Um, so it is um, on, on how seats are being made and, and how safe can you make uh, make people travel. And so it, it is interesting work. Yeah. There's a lot of crash testing, so it is fun. I initially came to do my master's, and then I enjoyed my work so much that I decided to continue with my PhD. Yeah. So I did my PhD. and um, Both in mechanical? Both in mechanical, yes. Uh, and and my specialization was in mechanical systems, uh, a computer analysis of mechanical systems. So basically solving um, uh, um, analytical problems uh, for, uh, for these um, uh, systems that are there, like... Um, a, a, a good example would be like when well, later on, if, if you ever get to it, we'll talk about um, how pushers work and those, those kind of things. So it, th- that was the the whole theme that, uh, or that that was my basic uh, degree in. Hmm. Um, finished my PhD, or rather, finished my coursework in my PhD. Did not defend my thesis <laughs> because I wanted to get uh, start working. So I did all. Go make uh, money. <laughs> yeah, 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 kind of. So um, I ended up working for a company in Boston called uh, Foster Miller. Um, they were doing a lot of research for the FRA, Federal Railroad Administration. So we ended up crashing trains. Uh, so yeah, so it is fun again. You you crash these. It's a huge... diversion from aerospace, yeah. but yeah, it was. So the, the large why... bodies moving, I guess, is the so, analogous. So interestingly, the the, uh, the problem with with not being in aerospace. There was a reason why I did not go into aerospace. It is difficult to get into aerospace uh, mm. since because of visa regulations. Mm. So um, I would have loved to get into uh, uh, the Lockheed and Boeing's at the time, but without a green card, you could not uh, get into these fields. Mm. So um, if you are from India or from China, getting a green card is uh, is super hard. Mm. Even though it, it, so it is just that. So it is... Um, just the fact that uh, that I could not get one right away, that forced me to kind of sidestep and move, move into something that that I still found interesting, um, because they uh, they were doing some work for NASA as well. So they were developing a three-point restraint system for a NASA project. So NASA also does these projects for um, the um, the transport industry as well. So this is um, uh, the um, Foster Miller was trying to develop a seat. Normally in the aircraft, you only have a lap belt, but they were trying to see if you could have a similar kind of system like you have in the car. So you have a three-point system. We have a shoulder belt as well. Uh, so there was a reason why you don't have a shoulder belt because uh, when you have a shoulder belt, then uh, during the event of a crash, you tend to rip out seats from the small seat tracks that are there. So that's mm. why you don't have it. So they were, we were trying to come up with a mechanism by which you could, you could kind of uh, mitigate that. So I worked in Foster Miller for two years. They were kind of slow in processing again, the same issue. So I was slow in processing my, uh, my green card. So I moved to Cincinnati, worked there for a consulting company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they processed my green card super fast. And I got my green card in 2008. Uh, and, they, and everything went dark. Things started going bad in 2008. Yeah. 
Um, I remember. And, <laughs> yeah. So, and luckily at that, that time, um, um, Project Constellation had come online in 2005, and Lockheed was, had, had been declared as a prime con uh, contractor for developing Orion. And they were looking for people uh, with my kind of skill sets. So I applied in 2009, got in to Lockheed. Um, and I was initially thought, I initially thought I would be in Denver, but they wanted me in, in Houston. So I ended up being in Houston um, because there was a lot of work that was going on in Houston to coordinate with the um, Johnson Space Center. So um, there, the primary work that I was doing initially was with, uh, with separation analysis. Uh, for the Orion spacecraft. So how Orion separates from the uh, service module before it makes a re-entry. Um, did quite a bit of work on Orion. Um, uh, then there was also the, uh, the parachutes being ex extracted uh, from Orion, how they extracted, how they extracted, um, what does it come into contact while it's being extracted, does that cause any kind of issues while it's being extracted? So those, those kind of things. But a lot of the work again was separation. So I, I kind of um, became um, really good at doing separation analysis, uh, showing, um, uh, coming up with, with ways and on how you could uh, separate two bodies in space. Yeah, just let's pause right there because we will talk a little bit about that in some of the projects we're going to talk about. How did you get into se separation analysis? I mean, was it just you raised your hand and said, hey, I, I want to do this or were you no, picked it, it, or how, how did this happen? So the, the job profile that they put out was for someone who could do um, uh, a few things. One was doing multi-body dynamic work, which is which is part of what what I had, my specialization was in. With the trains. Plus, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and also with the, with, with the aircraft crashes too. Right, right. So um, the other was they, they initially thought that they were going to put me on, on – on the Orion crew uh, safety uh, aspect as well, because I'd done some um, occupant safety work. So um, so those were the two fields that when I got hired, they were looking into. And then I sat down with my manager. Um, uh, she's an awesome person. I have to give a shout out to her, Nancy Tengler. She was awesome. Um, so I sat down with her, talked talk with her, and she gave me this, uh, this huge scope that was there. She said, okay, uh, pick a field that, that you're comfortable in to work in. And I kind of cho chose Orion, uh, the crew separation. Wow. So um, the good thing about being in Lockheed was the the amount of um, projects or the amount of uh, uh, availability of projects that they had. So you could basically work on one thing for a whole year. And if you think that that's not what you want to do, you, there's so much of projects that are there. There's there so many things that you had to do that you could just quickly shift into something else. So mm -hmm. that I love that flexibility that is there. So that's how I got got a separation analysis. But once I got in, I think I did a fairly decent job of it, and I got yeah. I got well, obviously, kind of, obviously, we're gonna talk about some other projects you did yeah, in so, separation. So in in some ways, I did get slightly pigeonholed into being the separations guy. That if there was a separation analysis that that needed to be done. Uh, then it is kind of okay. Let's throw the, uh, throw the hurry to get get it done, kind of thing. So there was issues with the uh, with the uh, the fairing separation for the service module, and then okay, they said okay, let's get hurry to run run an analysis and see how how it's done. So it, yeah. it is fun. It is it is good to be in that spot. Yeah, no, it, it is. So let's let's keep going. So you you're at uh, you're doing the Orion. 
you then go on to what, what's next? What's after Orion? So, I, so from Orion, there was also this. Um, while I was working at Orion, there was um, uh, Sierra Nevada was also trying to get the the crew uh, the crew contract to fly people to the International Space Station. As um, the Dream Chaser. Yeah, Dream Chaser. Yeah. So, so at that time, um, I think there uh, there were four. I could be wrong, but I think that uh, it is uh, it is the um, it is SpaceX, Boeing, Dream Chaser, and one one other Virgin company. Galactic? That maybe I I I I I forget which one. Uh, so it is between the four of them that they're Don't trying to pick me two. On that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not sure either. So it's between the between the four they were going to pick two. Um, so the problem that Sierra Nevada had was they did not have enough expertise. So they kind of contracted it out to Lockheed. They asked Lockheed for help on how they could. Uh, show uh, compliance with, uh, with the dream chaser being an effective way of uh, sending people to uh, the ISS. And again, the, the one of the biggest hurdles was uh, how do they separate this from the the Atlas V launch vehicle? And uh, so, ring, ring, call hard. <laughs> yeah, so I I I got uh, I got the task of doing that. Uh, yeah. So, um, I was, I, I was working on so, the dreams. Is it, you're very humble about all this. How, how many other experts are there in separation analysis? How big is this world? Is there one? Is there a hundred? Is there a thousand? How many of you out maybe, there? The, maybe there are about, about a hundred people who can do this kind of work. I would say on tops. Uh, that, that, so it's not hard. It's just that um, once you start doing it, you understand the intricacies of it, and then you kind of... Um, so the next time you see the problem, you know what to look for. You are aware of the problems that 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 you need to be watching out for. So that helps you. It is not that the problem itself is hard. It is just that uh, the experience that you gain helps you yeah. quite a bit. When your foot's in the door because you've proven yeah. over and over you can do this on yeah. multiple um, multiple rockets and multiple um, yeah projects. Yeah. Um, okay, so you. You've worked on the Dream Chaser. You uh, you had Orion. You you've worked with Lockheed, also with Sierra Nevada. What what's next? So next what else space, did you do? So it uh, well it, it and Lockheed. I also worked on uh, worked on a couple of other projects with Lockheed because, like I said, in Lockheed, the good thing was I if I there were times when I when I approached uh, Nancy and I told her, is there some other project that I can take on because I would like to switch between projects <laughs> while I'm working, and 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 she was so super receptive to all this. So I got to work on the Osiris Rex. Um, oh, so wow. it, yeah, so it, it, it is. So on on the so the return capsule was being designed by Lockheed. So they they wanted to make sure that the mechanism would stay shut when it landed um, in, at UT. So it's it's on its way back uh, from from Benny right now. So when it finally lands in in Utah, it the uh, the, the capsule doesn't pop open and just contaminate the whole thing. So they so we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. <laughs> So it's a, it's fun projects like so that. So you then. you designed that as well. You designed the so it doesn't. No, it, no, I, I did not design that. I worked on the. I, I made sure that uh, I provided the loads. I made sure that what happens. I showed them what would happen um, because it was already designed. It's all set. They needed to confirm that the design would work. Fail, so you did like a failure analysis, a, a modeling to show yeah. them what would happen. Yeah. So so it is mostly showing. Uh, when uh, when the 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 SR the sample return capsule hits the soil in Utah, so and so we had to model the soil in September 
the conditional soil <laughs> estimate. So yeah, so it, it is it is it, you have to go down to that, that. Yeah, it is because it is going it is going to land in September in in Utah. So it's got, the the temperature is different. So the soil September 2021. 2021. Yes. So when when it comes back, so we need to make sure that um, the conditions of the soil um, um, would be such that it would not kind of. Uh, uh, kind of gel or, or, or kind of push the, the 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 mechanism open. So that is the thing that I did. I modeled the whole thing uh, and made sure that the 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 forces that, uh, that went into the sample drone capsule wouldn't really cause any issue. So that was fun uh, working on it. While um, I was doing all this, uh, SpaceX was looking to um, uh, build a Falcon Heavy and uh, little that's little what, known startup. Yeah, it is. A, so, um, in, in, so in 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 2010 was when they launched Falcon 9. Uh, so this is in 2013. So it is still uh, they have they have about six seven launches a year, not like the 25 that they're doing, right. doing this year. Yeah. So it, it is 40, 48 in 2021. They said. Yeah. So so the, 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 this year is the launch. Uh, if the the next launch is in, on the 17th. So if that goes in, that'll be the 25th launch. So that'll be pretty cool. So it is about really two cool. launches a month. Yeah. Uh, join SpaceX because I thought that was exciting. It is the new kid on the block. It's yeah. from, from all that I heard. Um, they were willing to take risks. They're willing to uh, to do whatever it takes to get, get the thing going. And there was also this attraction of seeing... Um, so the the drawback of let me just go back and the, the drawback of being at Lockheed was or working on on projects like uh, like the uh, Orion was you're designing things which will not fly for the next three years. So yeah. you 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 build things, you work on it, and that's it. Then you you don't know when you're going to see it fly. While at SpaceX, that that is the the best part. You you design things, you work on it. And very likely you'll get to see it flying about six to seven months. Yeah. So, so, they, so it is. It is that, that it's exciting. Like, it's like a Ford, uh, Hawthorne's, like a um, a Ford manufacturing facility. I mean, you're yeah. literally seeing each part of the rocket being assembled, and oh, there's some finished ones over there. I mean, yeah, it's it, it, amazing. It, it, it is awesome. It is. It, it, so I love the fact that that you could you could while you're designing the part, you could walk down. Take a look at what the part looks like, what mm-hmm. where it goes. So that part of it was was super attractive. The fact that you could literally see things being built was was uh, was extremely attractive. And uh, when I joined um, SpaceX in 2014, the thing was they were going to fly. They, they, the plan was they were going to fly this uh, Falcon Heavy by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so ambitious, yeah, yeah well, as always. Uh, yeah. So joined uh, SpaceX, uh, it was a struggle uh, because uh, coming from Lockheed, where things- Very different move, culture. Yeah, very different culture, where things move at a snail space, um, where, 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 it's, where it's extremely rigorous in the sense that there's a lot of um, documentation involved. Everything needs to be documented. Every I's need to be dotted. Every T's need to be crossed off. SpaceX is not like that. It is um, more of a, uh, if you if you know what you're doing and if you understand that this is the way it's going to be, you can move forward and you can document it later. You don't have to have every single thing in place before you go to the next step. Yeah. So, so it, it, it is. It, it has, has its pros of, and cons. I mean, it, it, is, it does. No, I, I completely agree. Their risk have, tolerance is much higher and thus far it's worked out. Now they've yeah. had plenty of failures, but 
they're learning. It's iterative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it it, it it that is just the the, the the philosophy that that they're willing to take risk and they are willing to be um, uh, pretty open about it. That that they they would take the risk. This is this is how they're going to be. So um, the Falcon Heavy um, uh, separation was unique because there was two boosters. And SpaceX has this philosophy of not using pyrobolts uh, pyro or any kind of ordnance to separate things. Because all other launch vehicles, if you look at a Delta IV Heavy, which has got boosters, or the, um, or the Space Shuttle, which has got the, 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 the uh, solid rocket boosters, all of them are separated using pyrobolts or ordnance. Basically, they have, they, there's a flash, and they, or they, they blow up things, and that's how they just throw them apart. Uh, while in, for SpaceX, there's not a single ordinance in the entire spacecraft or in the entire launch vehicle. Yeah, for, for people who don't know what that is, can you just kind of walk through what an ordinance is? So ordinance is normally an explosive device that, that you have. So um, when when you see these different stages separate, normally in, an, in, in a normal launch vehicle, what you have is you would have explosive bowls, which are connecting the two stages. So they would basically, the bolts would explode. Yeah, and and, and then, and, then and, and and then and then the two bodies separate out. Got it. Okay. While in SpaceX, that is not the way you did it. So they were they were. Is there a reason why they didn't want to do it that way? Um, it is more for a reusability thing. So um, uh, so ah. so it is. Um, it it has its pros and cons. Um, the, the 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 pyro is much more reliable, if you want to call it, the, uh, because it's uh, it has been used and tested for such a long time, so you, the the reliability is super high. But SpaceX is pretty confident in its uh, in its um, uh, mechanisms for for locking things together and also for unlocking them. So they had a very robust system that that they developed over the years, and they're pretty confident that that it will work. Um, so I think um, keep forgetting. I think one of the launches they had an issue with um, with separating the stages. I think it was Falcon One, the second launch where they had an issue with to the stage separation. And since then they have not had an issue because they they kind of perfected that. Hmm. So it, it, so their philosophy does work for them. It it works perfectly because it does what, what it's supposed to do. That is unique in the sense that you had. Um, uh, you didn't have these uh, ordnance systems pushing things out, but you had pushers, uh, pneumatic pushers that are going to push these huge boosters away from uh, a core or, or another rocket that is flying away from it. And it had to be done in such a way that when it's being pushed out, uh, that you could recover them. Because so the whole whole idea was uh, you should be able to recover these boosters and let them fly back. Yeah. So that was a fun thing that... Um, uh, that definitely challenging, but it's a lot of fun. Okay, so what, I mean, you saw that probably live. You were, were you at SpaceX during that? No, no, no. By by then, I had already left SpaceX. So this was in 2018. So even oh, though wow. we wanted to launch in 2015 uh, or 2014, it got pushed out to 2018. So 2018 was the first launch of Falcon Heavy. So you're sitting wherever you are. You're watching this. Yeah. You, des- you designed it. Walk me through your thoughts. So um, while Falcon Heavy was flying, I was watching for the uh, for that for that one event where the yeah. uh, where it separates because um, I was kind of nervous. I just want to make sure that. So there, there were two things: one, uh, the separation itself, making sure that it separates. Two, once it separates, whether it was recoverable because th- those were the things that I had to make sure that uh, that that the the boosters would do. 
because once it's separated, it falls into the the plume, the engine plume of the of the center core that's flying away, and that adds its own kind of uh, dynamics to it. Where basically, it either pushes the the uh, the the boosters to one side, or they can pull them to one side. So, um, so I, what I so we had simulated this to make sure that we could recover the boosters, or it it would not create rates that would not, that would be unrecoverable. Um, there were also there was also this other requirement uh, that came down from Elan saying that um, even if the pushes did not work, we had to have the boosters being uh, pushed out. So, so just by unlocking those those latches, mm. the boosters should fall off on their they own. Just fall off. Yeah, they fall off on their own. So, but um, at that point in time, uh, the whole issue is uh, it should fall off, but it doesn't have to be recoverable because the the mission gets completed in the sense that you fly away, the mission is completed, but you might not be able to recover the the boosters. So those were the twin kind of things that that are going on, and kind of we met those two criteria that that even without the pushes we can fly away uh we can complete the mission um and uh, the other was if the pushes worked it will make sure that you can recover the boosters wow yeah so and so what would watching it like you said uh when that happened what do you think i mean you this is a culmination of all your work you've done you've worked on drains you've worked on planes now you're working on rockets i mean what are you thinking right now so there were there were a couple of things that that happened. So in 2015, there were a couple of things that happened, or 2014. 2014, we had the EFT one launch, which is the Orion being launched. So so I went through that phase once, where uh, I was watching Orion separate from the uh, from the rest of the rest of the the, uh, the vehicle before it made reentry, and that is entirely uh, that is what what I worked on. So I had modified the design for the um, from what they had before. And I had to take it all the way up an engineering review board, get it approved, saying that you need to make the design. Uh, <laughs> so, so that was interesting. So I, I had I'd gone through this process once uh, of watching something that that you push for, uh, finally flying, and then uh, making a successful entry. And then then was the, then then this happened. So the Falcon Heavy flew. So it 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 was. Um, it's very satisfying to see that something worked that that you that you worked hard on making sure that it flies and then it flies the way you thought it would work so i mean as i'm i'm watching the video i mean i i wasn't a part of spacex um but i felt as i'm watching the video i'm hearing just the crowd erupt when they saw the separation i mean it's as if you called the greatest play you scored a touchdown you know it's it's uh it's uh and, and won the game you know it's it's just one of those moments that i mean in your career it's amazing something so small so intricate compared to everything but every single thing in that uh, in that process has to work for these guys to be successful so i I mean i i'm i think it's really cool i know you're you'll say it's a little nerdy but i i think it's just amazing and these little iterations you guys are making this hadn't been done before you right this is the first time Oh, this is the first time that, that that you're trying to recover boosters. And since, it, like you said, the Delta for heavy has has these uh, boosters which are pushed away, um, but they use ordnance or they use explosives to push those yeah, away. Yeah, this is not. Uh, yeah, Russia uses them, so they have done this before with uh, by separating these boosters. 
but not to the not the way SpaceX is not, flying. Not through. your mechanism. So, yeah, not the mechanism. So that has never been done before. That's really cool. So so um, the intricacies of that was making sure how much it should push at the top. There were, there, there were four sets of pushes, two at the top and two at the bottom for each of the boosters. So there were two pushers at the top pushing them away and then two at the bottom. So the length of the pushers had to be right. Um, then we had to time the pushers in the, in the right sequence. What time does the top ones go off and what time does the bottom ones go off? So those were the, those were the intricacies that, that you're playing with and making sure that, that, that we got the right uh, kind of um, um, numbers for that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It is, uh, it is definitely a lot of fun yeah. doing that. No, I, I I think I could talk way longer on this, but I, I know we're we we only have so much time on this show, and and I hope that you come back again. We could talk sure. about other really cool projects you worked on. So you mentioned you're watching the Falcon Heavy, and you're you're seeing this success uh, pro, uh, of of releasing these boosters. You're working at Blue Origin, so 2018. No, no, I I was at Space Systems or, or Laura at the time. So <laughs> sorry, Space Space Systems. So let's let's dive into that. What 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 was going on there? So um, there, I, it, it's again, it's interesting. I was working on the Mars 2020 rover. So uh, wow. So, so uh, we were designing the sample handling arm over there. Um, SSL had won the contract, so I was working on the sample uh, handling arm, and also on a very interesting project that NASA has called Restore L which is basically um, refueling satellites in space. So it is, oh. so it is, it is, it is a couple of interesting projects. Like four there. or five other shows you're, you're just talking about here. Uh, <laughs> I so, love it. Yeah, so, so the, the, those are the interesting projects that I was working at SSL. In, uh, and and uh, so I watched this Falcon Heavy launch over there at, when I was at SSL. So you did an, a, a bunch of other cool projects at, at SSL. And then you, where you are now, I, I see behind you is it's a, it's that, a new yeah, Glenn. That yeah. is New Glenn. So yeah. walk me through. You you find yourself at Blue Origin. What's been going on there? Um, and so, so at, at Blue Blue Origin, when I just joined, I I kind of moved away from uh, separating bodies. And oh, okay. I wanted, yeah, because I, I wanted to take a break from that. I thought maybe I should try my hand at something else, uh, doing structural analysis, basically. So basically, trying to design structures uh, so i worked on the on the recoverable first stage um on on, on various parts of the other tank uh of, of the of the fuel the fuel tanks in the in the rocket um but i quickly found out that um, yeah I, ca I can do it but that's not something that i enjoy <laughs> so so I, now i'm back to doing separations again so it's the gravity it's pulled you back <laughs> yeah so uh, and and again so the, so the, i had gone for a meeting in which uh, i was doing a doing a review of uh, uh, outside work that was done and uh, so the so the director um, uh, who who heads this 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 part of the uh, uh, of the of the uh, of the rocket of the of the event so he was talking to me so he said so so what have we done before and i said okay yeah, i've done separation before and they and I kind of started talking to him and he said, I think you should be working for us, not not for structures. Kind of thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that that's how that's why I ended up working for uh, I moved from structures to uh, to doing separation. Now now it's, it's it's a lot of fun. So I work on the huge fairings that uh, that that will be seven, it's a seven meter fairing that that uh, uh, Blue Origin has. It's one of the largest fairings in the world. It's huge. 
and um, so they have to. They basically split in half, like all fairings, and they and they separate uh, separate out. So um, we are using a very unique way of doing it. Um, so that that has its own challenges. So mm. um, so I, I'm working on that. Plus um, also on uh, the uh, the payload capacity is huge, so you can carry two payloads if you want. So when you carry two payloads, you kind of put one on top of the other, but there's a device that kind of separates them too. So once the first payload goes away, that device has to be jettisoned. So that's what I'm working on. How do you jettison this thing so that you could um, kind of uh, place the next uh, payload in the right orbit? That's really cool. I, I I usually with my guests we go into projects at this point, but you have integrated and interwoven uh, projects within your your background, uh, which I I absolutely love. I mean it's it's a beautiful story, and I hope you inspire so many. Uh, I don't even say young. I would say just engineers. Um, and very technical folks, because I know that some of these, uh, I don't know about Blue Origin, I know SpaceX, they don't care what your background is. If you are sharp um, and and uh, can put your mind to it and look it up on a YouTube or read a book and, and can do it, they'll hire you. Um, yeah, so, it, it, so that, that is interesting, interesting part. So both the Blue and the SpaceX, they had me do these written exams where I had to, uh, even though I had, I had experience, I had... Uh, I had my PhD, mm-hmm. um, but they still wanted to make sure that I knew my fundamentals, that I could do basic uh, mechanical engineering uh, hmm. things. So that was an interesting experience because that's all that that, that is very important to them. That um, even though you have the experience to do it, you understood what you were doing or you knew what you were doing. Yeah, it's all about down to the fundamental element. Yep. Um, so. Let's switch gears here. I want us to, so we've been looking back. I want to start looking forward. Um, and so as you're looking onto the horizon, you you have been working at several very prominent aerospace companies. What do you see the trends? What what are you seeing moving in, into next year and then maybe next five years, 10 years? What are you seeing? So the interesting is there are a lot of launch vehicles coming online, um, like... Um, Rocket Labs, uh, um, yeah. Electronics coming. Uh, they, they have flown 15 times, successful launches. And the last launch they did, they were able to recover the booster as well. So, uh, so they are getting there. But again, Rocket Launch, uh, Rocket Labs is a much smaller launch vehicle. It can only lift about 300 kilograms to Leo, uh, low Earth orbit. Um, they're, for, to, they're for small satellites, correct? Yeah, they're, they're for small satellites. So to, to give you an idea, I think um, uh, Falcon 9 can lift about uh, 23 tons to low Earth orbit, while this can lift about 300 kilograms. So that so that's <laughs> that's, a, that's a difference. <laughs> so, but but again, cost-wise, it's about seven and a half million for um, uh, the Rocket Labs one. This is about 60 million. So there's a huge difference in price point. Um, but there are a lot of them becoming online, like like Firefly is there. Firefly uh, went through a little bit of hardship, but they're back online. So they have the Alpha that's there. Um, then let's see, then Relativity is there, which has got the Turan Turan One. So there are a, um, quite a few launch vehicles that are coming on. Um, I believe Astra has something uh, that they're trying to build. So uh, a lot of them are trying to cater to the small satellite industry because that's seems to be where uh, the whole industry is heading to uh, with the OneWebs and the Starlinks and the Kuiper, or the Project Kuiper coming online. They would need a lot of launches. So um, 
there there were a couple of studies that showed that um, you uh, earlier what they did was they used to do these uh, these ride shares. So you so Falcon Nine flies one a huge payload, mm-hmm. and then it has got capacity to carry a few of these small satellites, or um, or a, a Delta Four carries um, um, one big big payload and then maybe a couple of smaller payloads. So that was the way that small satellites could do it. But now it has gone to a point where that, uh, the operators no longer are willing to wait on launches. Once they build the satellites, they want them in the air. Because that, yeah. that's, the, that's the business model. They, they can't wait for launches. They, they don't want to uh, be on the ground. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it makes perfect sense. And uh, these new entrants are trying to fill that, that void that's there. They are doing dedicated small launches. So anything below two thousand uh, kilograms is, a, according to NASA, is a small lift launch vehicle. Do you, do you think that that? I mean, I'm seeing the same thing. And are, do you think this is sustainable? Is this not? A, is this a flash in the pan, or is this? What do what you? What are you? What are you thinking? I, I think this. It is the way to go because uh, um, the problem with the large satellite is. Um, well, the, the, there are a couple of issues. Um, so some of it you need to have them because a geostationary satellite is required to do a lot of the work, some of the work that, that only a geosat can do. But uh, a lot of other work like um, uh, like fleet management, uh, if you look at it, or for remote sensing, uh, those kind of things can be done by these uh, much more efficiently with these small satellites. And it is, um, it is also true that these small satellites have a smaller lifespan, but that's okay because the, the cost of They're building cheaper. one, yeah. Exactly. So it's it, it's it's not that expensive. So, so you would need to keep on launching these, replacing the, the ones that, that are kind of go uh, go offline. Ah, uh, so that's where the re- okay. Yeah. Okay, so so it, it so there, the, uh, so I think there there was a study that said that in the next uh, decade there's going to be over ten thousand uh, small satellites being launched, and about nine thousand of them are going to be from commercial players. So there's a huge market that's coming online and there isn't enough uh, launch can, vehicles to do that. Is that uh, readily available, that, that, that um, yeah, study? I, Could yeah, you I sh- can, send that to me? Yeah, I, I, I can, like I can send that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll send that to you. So it is, it is, I think it is, if I remember correctly, it, is, um, it could be a GAO study, the government uh, study that, that mm-hmm. I read, but I, I'll send that to you. That's great. So, so it, it is interesting that, that the launch industry is changing so fast. And uh, there was another study that is run by uh, done by Rand, uh, which said that even the heavy lift category, they believe that uh, there's only going to be one player who's going to um, to kind of cater to the commercial people, commercial launches, mm-hmm. and they think it's going to be SpaceX uh, because SpaceX uh, Starlink. Because it, it, well, it, this is for for any kind of uh, um, commercial launches. So what what they think is um, for, this is for heavy lift uh, for heavy oh, satellites. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. So, um, we were just talking about but, satellites. <laughs> yeah. So so in, in, uh, so what what they did was they looked at um, uh, 2017 and 2018, I think. And so in 2017 they had 25 launches, um, commercial launches, and in 2018 they had 24 commercial launches. So um, and of that, about half of them were done by SpaceX. So according to the study, they think that one player, they, they, they don't mention who it is going to be. They just say that they think that it's going to be one player who's going to dominate that commercial uh, market. And there might be a couple of others who will take care of the, uh, the government contracts mm. because the government will not going to rely on one of them. So they normally rely on, uh, on three contractors to fulfill that. 
Um, so you'll have SpaceX, they'll have the ULAs, and they may, you might have one more player in, 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 the, in the mix. Yeah. Now, this is, this is super interesting. Um, Hari, I, I, I could talk to you for, for hours and hours. I, I think you, you brought up really cool insights. Well, let's back up. Your story is amazing. I, I think from you know seeing rocket launches as a kid, dreaming up this is where you want to be. I mean, you, you, you saw, hey, the, I want to do that. And you went yeah. out and, and look at you now. I mean, you've become a specialist in a certain area for a certain type of um, process that for rockets. Um, you've tried to stray away from it, but it has sucked you right back in. It does. Um, it, it, it does tend to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and gravity. And and I, I just want to thank you so much. I've, I've learned so much. I had to do some research on some things that you've done, but I, I hope and, and pray that you want to come back on and we can talk about some other projects. Sure, it's and a lot of fun. Total trends that you're seeing and who knows, we might be right. And people yeah. are looking back at this and saying, those guys got it. Um, but I, I would bet money on satellites, small satellites. Um, and we'll look at the commercial, see what happens uh, in yeah. in that um, that industry and who comes out to be the dominant player. Hari, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I uh, hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Bye.